back to our series called Filter. Hope you guys are enjoying this series as much as I am. Man, what a beautiful day it is outside, amen? And it is great to be able to get together. And uh, I tell you what, uh, thank goodness yesterday, Go Tigers, gave us, gave us a little snitch there. I'm like, I don't know about y'all, but I was kind of like, gave us, gave us a little scare there. I'm like, I don't know about y'all, but I was kind of like, really? really? So uh, I, my, once again, prayer life going a whole new level during this season. But it's good to be able to come together and worship together. And if you are here for the first time, maybe watch that video a second ago and saying, hey, what's this filter thing all about? Uh, we live in a world that's constantly trying to pollute us, constantly trying to pour things into our lives to mess with our mind and our spirit, our heart, to cause disruption within our lives, to cause destruction within our lives. And the greatest thing of all is that God has given us filters that we can utilize for our lives, things like prayer, things like worship. And we've gone through several of these topics already and actually have had a hard time kind of containing them within one week. So we took a couple weeks to talk about prayer, a couple of weeks to talk about worship. And this week, we're actually going to start today uh, with one of the aspects of using a filter that God has for us. But we're going to actually take two weeks and talk about this as well as we talk about the study of God's Word and how we can begin to understand it in a greater way for our lives. Now, before we dive off into that, I do want to take a moment and greet any guests that we have here. Uh, my name is Jay. My wife, Stacy, and, and I are the lead pastors here at Journey. Great to have you with us today. We hope that you feel right at home. And then I also want to greet everyone who is tuning in right now and watching us online. Uh, it is great to be able to know every week, weekend we have a great group of people that are watching us and joining us live in this service. So Journey Church, can we give them a great big hand clap this morning? Come on, give it up for them. It's awesome. Now, here's where we're going today with, with the study of God's Word. A lot of times whenever it comes to the Bible, we know as, as believers we're supposed to be reading the Bible, right? Oh, right? <laughs> Like, like one person over here agreed with me. Everybody else like, really? No, we're supposed, let's try that again. As believers, we're supposed to be studying and reading the Bible, right? That, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and so here's the thing. A lot of times people, when it comes to, to the Bible, I believe that people a lot of times are intimidated by it. They say, well, where do I start? You know, and, and it's, it's kind of hard to understand. And, and I get into it and sometimes I kind of get, get lost a little bit. And so my motivation this weekend and next weekend is to really help you gain a, a greater understanding as to how the Word of God can come alive within your life. A greater way for you to be able to take it and make it applicable to your life and to get in the habit of making sure that we are studying together. Now, a lot of people say, well, well, I have a hard time memorizing the Bible. I hear you say things, Pastor Jay, like we need to put God's Word in our heart when we don't need it, so it will be there when we do need it. And I hear you say things like that, but man, I have a, I have a hard time memorizing the Bible. And I, I've just kind of come down to this. I think that we're able to memorize the things that we want to memorize, okay? And, and let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? Uh, I, I know several years back, we were driving through Arkansas as a family, and it was, Tyler wasn't with us, Britt wasn't with us, just me and Stacy, Bryce and Reese, and we're driving along, and we're in my pickup truck, and I had uh, my, my playlist on my phone, and, and I'm listening to some different songs, got a little old school on there, got, got a little new school, got some worship, got a little country, different things on there, and uh, Bryce, he's sitting in the back, and he's like, Dad, you know, Ugh, that's old man stuff, and I'm like, get out of my truck. 
he said, check this out. So he started, you know, going through his playlist. And he said, all right, you like, you, let's go old school. And he busted out this song that I probably have not heard. I'm not kidding. Probably have not listened to this song, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And uh, it, it was a little Garth Brooks. Okay. And, and he played this song, uh, I Have Friends in Low Places. Okay. And I know y'all like, Pastor. Okay. Hear me out. Don't judge me. Okay. He busted this song out. Now, I have not heard this song, like I said, 10 or 15 years. And when he hit play on the thing and it came on, I'm like, hey, I know this song. No joke. They sang the song verbatim, word for word, from beginning all the way to the end. And Bryce is sitting in the back and he's like, dad? I'm like, son, yeah, I know. I'd heard that song of forever, and it was popular back whenever I was like a senior in high school when me and Miss Stacy first got married. And uh, you know, I, I, I haven't heard that song in forever, and I don't know. I just, I, I guess, it was committed to memory. Has that ever happened in your life before? Maybe a song comes on TV, or maybe you hear a song and you're like, you know, and, and you can just sing along with that song word for word. Where did that come from? I think that we can commit to memory the things that we really want to commit to memory, the things that we value and the things that we treasure. And here's the thing, uh, God's word is so important and so valuable for our lives as to where whenever we're in that moment when we are facing temptation, we are facing stress, we are facing anxiety, we are facing fear, we are facing anger, we are facing unforgiveness. If the word of God has been hidden in our heart, we genuinely know the Word of God in those moments, it can flow out of our life into that situation. And whatever the enemy's trying to do in that situation, all of a sudden, life infiltrates whatever we are facing. And encouragement infiltrates whatever it is that we are facing. And victory and freedom infiltrate whatever it is that we are facing. And we are able to move forward. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a great thing. So, Here's the thing that I, I'm kind of convinced whenever it comes to the Bible. We talk about being intimidated by the Bible. A lot of people, whenever it comes to the Bible, they just look at this and say, well, that's a great book. But you need to understand some of the basics of the Word of God. The basics of the Word of God are this is not one book. This is a bunch of books included in one cover, okay? Now, just the basics of this, it kind of looks like this. This actually is 66 different books contained inside of one book. You have two sections within this book. One of them is the first section is known as the what? Hey, y'all been paying attention. Awesome. The second section is known as the what? Now, if you don't know the basics of that, the Old Testament actually is the old covenant that the children of Israel shared and walked in with God. The New Testament is the new covenant that we have through Christ Jesus. He came, he fulfilled that covenant, and there was a new covenant established where we now, as, as human beings, as, as men and women, we can be made right with God because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Our sins can be forgiven. We can be made in right standing with God or redeemed, and we can walk in relationship with a heavenly Father. Now, here's the cool part. The greatest thing to me of all is that God loves us so much that he wants relationship with us. Look at your neighbor and say, that's pretty cool. I don't care who you are. That is just cool that God wants relationship with us. So, so you got the, the Old Testament, you got the New Testament. But within the Old and the New Testament, you have different sections contained within there. 
You say, well, what do you mean by that? Different sections within the Old and New Testament. Well, you get into the Old Testament, the first five, everybody hold up five fingers like this. The first five books of the Old Testament are known as the Pentateuch. Everybody say Pentateuch. Now that sounds real fancy. You're like, man, I just learned something fancy in church. You got to go out of here, tell all your friends that, you know, wherever you go, hey, look, we learned a word in church today, Pentateuch, okay? It's actually two Greek words put together, and it means five books, okay? So it, it's not really that deep. It's just telling us it's the first five books of the Old Testament. And the first five books of the Old Testament are pretty cool because they have a lot of information in them. It contains creation. It contains things like uh, the covenant under Abraham. It includes some, some history on Israel. Then you got the different books of law and all this kind of stuff. And the first five books of the Old Testament made up of, of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And these were, are great books. Now, if you, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to read through the Bible from beginning to end, and they don't understand that the Bible is not in chronological order, and they start in Genesis, and they start reading through, and they, they get to Leviticus, and they're like, man, I don't know about all this, because you got all these laws and all these different things. We actually, when we did the year of the Bible uh, in 20, I think it was what, 2018, and uh, had a great time with that, the, the church corporately, we were reading through the Bible, and I told everybody when we got to Leviticus, I'm like this, just hang in there. You can make it through this. Because there's so much information in there. A lot of it is not relevant to our lives, so we have a hard time reading through that. So you get into the Pentateuch, you begin to understand first five books of the Old Testament are the Pentateuch. Then the next section you see in the Old Testament is known as the section of history. Now, this is the historical account of Israel. You begin to see books like 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, Joshua, Ruth, different things like that. And it begins to give a historical account of the children of Israel, the different kings when they lived underneath the rule of the judges. And it begins to show you the history of the children of Israel. Now, the next section you get into in the Old Testament is known as the section of poetry, the poetic section. A lot of people also refer to this as the, sec the, the wisdom section. And, and it's books like Job, uh, uh, Proverbs, Psalms, Song of Songs. And here's what's cool about this section. This is such a great portion of the Bible to bring encouragement and strength to our lives. I don't know about you, but I love to go into the book of Psalms and Proverbs and just read. And it's just great common sense, just great wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Great wisdom for all of our lives. Then you get into the next section of the Old Testament known as the prophetic section. Now, you get into the prophetic section, this is where a lot of people kind of get lost, and they, see, they hear things like major prophets, minor prophets, and, and like, what does that mean? Because my thinking on that originally was, well, that means that the major prophets, we need to read them, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the, the, the bigger books, we need to read them because they're more valuable, because they're major. These minor prophets, you know, they're short books, and they're not as important, so we don't have to read them. And that, the difference in the two is simply this, it's content. Uh, the major prophets are longer books. The minor prophets are shorter books. But here's the thing. All of those books are relevant and, and great for our lives to be able to read through and see some of the prophetic things that God was saying in, in ancient times in the Old Testament. So that's the Old Testament. You get into the New Testament, you really see some really cool things. You see, first of all, the first section of the New Testament is known the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is the account of Jesus' earthly ministry when he was here on this earth, walking amongst us, doing miracles, teaching, preaching. 
And then you see the account of him going to the cross, giving his life for all of us so that our sins could be forgiven, we could be made right with God. Then you see his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. Now, you go through the Gospels, the next book or the next section that you see in the New Testament actually is one of my favorite of all. It is the Acts of the Church. And if you've never read through the book of Acts, you are missing out. And the reason why I like it is because you see the formation of the early church. You see actually what the church was doing in history at that point. But here's the cool part about the book of Acts. We're actually living it out today. Uh, They wrote it through where they were in history at that point. And it actually is a continuation even through today. And so we are living out the book of Acts. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the book of Acts. That's what's so cool about that book. And I love to see the Holy Spirit moving and acting and and being so powerful. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Regardless of what you think, the way that the Holy Spirit moved in those days in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit still wants to move like that. The only limitation is us, okay? And so our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, have your way, move and operate and act within my life. So uh, I'm, I'm rushing through this because I got really long-winded in the last service, and uh, we ran late. So I'm trying to get all this information into, your guy, into y'all's hands. Now, you go from the book of Acts, and you go into the next section, which is known as the epistles of Paul. And here's what's cool about this. These are actual letters that are written towards the latter end of the New Testament. You see different letters that Paul wrote to the churches, to different friends to encourage them. Then you go from that into just the general epistles. And the general epistles were ones like James, the brother Jesus, wrote an epistle. You see like Peter writing different uh, works. And these are works which inspire us. They minister to us. And then you get to the end of the book that we know as the Bible. What's the last book in the Bible? Now, here's what's crazy about the book of Revelation. People say, I'm going to study the Bible. I want to read the book of Revelation. They get like three chapters in. They're like, I'm done. Because <laughs> the book of Revelation has so much symbolism. It has so, much, so many things in it. You're like, what are they talking about? You know, beasts and horns and great tribulations and all that. What in the world? So a lot of people bail on the book of Revelation. Now, I've actually done several series on the book of Revelation, but it is a tremendous book which is prophetic. It was given to John as he was exiled on the island of Patmos And the greatest part about this book is it speaks to us, it's relevant to us, because it speaks of things which are to come. And uh, I'm going to tell you, if you've never read through the book of Revelation and you want to, I highly encourage that you get a good study Bible that has some some guides in it to kind of walk you through reading and understanding. Now, another thing about the book of Revelation, there are a lot of opinions whenever it comes to the book of Revelation. A lot of people have their ideas and their mindset as to what, uh, you know, the book of Revelation means. So very important that you get a good study Bible if you are going to read through that. Now, here's the thing. The book, when you go through and looking at the Bible and say, okay, it's 66 different books, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. It was written by 40 different authors at different spans in time. And all of them came from all these different walks of life. What does it mean to our life today? And you may not understand this and realize this, but there are scores of people who literally gave their life for the Word of God. Literally were were martyred. They died for their faith to protect the Word of God and to be able to, to give it out to the masses so that all of us could be able to have access to this and read it. 
And when you begin to think that there were people who were burned at the stake, people who were hung, people who, who were, were, were actually, they were beheaded because of the word of God, then you begin to understand that this is a valuable treasure that God has for all of us. Hebrews says that it's alive. Hebrews says that it's active. Hebrews says that it's powerful for our lives. We're going to get more into that here in just a moment. And so what I want to be able to do today is I want to kind of give you a basic understanding of the word. Like, what is this? But the next thing is, is I want to talk to you about what it brings into our lives. And then I'm going to give you two things real quick. Everybody hold up two fingers just like this. Wiggle them like this. I'm going to give you two things before you leave today that will help you in your study time as to understanding the Word of God in a greater way, okay? And the next week, we're going to get a little, even a little bit more practical in our understanding of the Word of God. Now, once again, you say, well, what is the big deal about this? Well, Jesus said it like this, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. He said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, what's the word? Never pass away. In other words, you can try to change this, you can try to shape it to culture, but guess what? It doesn't because this never changes or shifts. It will never pass away because it is the inspired word of God. And the question for all of us is this. We think about the word of God. We think about people who gave their lives for it. We think about being able to have it available today. And if it is a gift, if it is a treasure from God, what are we doing with it? What are, we, what are we doing with it within our lives? Are we allowing it to shape us and change us and work on us? Because if the word of God has never passed away, here's one of the things that we need to understand. We, we do invest our lives in a lot of things here on this earth. And honestly, there's a lot of things that we invest our lives in that, that it's going to pass away. Things that are very temporary that we in, invest our lives into but we as the body of Christ, as the church, look at your neighbor sitting next to you and say, we're the church. We don't just go to church. So if we are the church, if we are the body of Christ, then we need to be taking the word of God and putting it within our heart. And as a precious treasure, as a gift from God, we need to begin to allow it to work within us to change us and shape us. And so the word of God will never pass away. And the psalmist says in Psalms 119 verse 1, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart. And so as Christians, our desire should be to take God's word and download it within our heart. To let it become a part of who we are. And so let's do this. Let's take a few minutes. Let's kind of walk through and talk about what does God's word actually bring into our life? What does it actually do for us? Because there's a lot of things that we want to invest our life into. And if we say, if I'm going to invest my life into the word of God, if I'm going to make it a part of who I am, then actually, what does it bring into my life? And the first one is this, the word of God, when we invest it into our lives and we begin to spend time and studying it, it actually brings power. Everybody say power. Because Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this to us very plainly. It says, for the word of God is alive and what? Powerful. It is a powerful work. And the reality is that we struggle in this world. How many of you in this room have had at least one struggle in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. Now keep it up. Be, be, hold it up. And everybody look around. Look around. Be like, hey, hey, you too. What's up? Okay. Now you say, Pastor, you have us do that on a regular basis. Why do you have us do that? Why do we look around and say, hey, you too? The reason why is because all of us have struggles. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are in life. 
I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, we have struggles. Jesus even said, in this world, we will have troubles. We will have struggles. We will have things that we face. And the enemy comes along and us, convinces us, you're the only one who faces something like this. Your marriage is the only one that's struggling. Your kids are the only ones who are making bad decisions. The issues that you have in your personal life, you are the only one. And guess what? That is a lie. All right? Because we all have struggles. And how do we overcome those struggles? Through the power of the Word of God at work within our lives. It is so important that we put the Word of God in our heart so that whenever those struggles come our way, we're not caught off guard but we are able to rise up in the power of the word and overcome those things that the enemy puts in front of us we are able to walk in his victory and his freedom and one of the greatest things that i love about the word of god is the confidence that it gives us the confidence that we can overcome the different traps and schemes and lies of the enemy so what's the first thing that the word of god brings into our life it brings power may say power the next thing is it brings healing to us now, the reason why it brings healing is because the psalmist, it write, he writes this in Psalms 107, verse 20. He said, he sent out his word and healed them. Now, a lot of times we don't think a whole lot about the healing aspect of the word of God. And here's why we, we don't think about that, because in Scripture, you see the name of God given to us in several different ways. It's, it's kind of like this. You begin to see in Scripture different descriptions of who God is through different names that are given him. Like Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. A lot of people know that Shalom means peace. Jehovah Shalom is God is my peace. In other words, you begin to understand the character of God by different names that are given to God in Scripture. It's kind of like this. Uh, let me describe it to you like this. Most of you know me in your life by, by, by the name of Pastor Jay. Who's that? Oh, that's Pastor Jay. He, he's my pastor. He loves me. He teaches me, encourages me, he prays for me. Uh, I, I know that, that he shepherds us as a church. And so he's my pastor. Who is that? That's Pastor Jay. You know that aspect of me, that description of me, that name of me. Okay? Then there, there's some people who, who know me a little bit better, a little bit more on a more personal level. They know me simply as, as Jay. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's Jay. We went to school together. We grew up together. I've seen him. I've seen him do some wild things, you know, all that kind of stuff. They know that side of me and, and that name of me, okay? Then there are some who know me, and some of y'all, this, this will kind of shock you. They know me as John, okay? You say, well, who's John? Well, that, that's me. That's my legal name. And typically, whenever somebody refers to me as John, I know it's a telemarketer, okay? They, they call and they say, hey, is John Coleman there? And I'm like, no, he's not. Click, okay? They, they, we just wanted to call you because we know your car's warranty is about fixing to be up, you know? So, I got to tell you what, that's aggravating, huh? My car warranty has been up for years. But here's the deal. Different people know me by different names, association, who I am. There actually, there's only three that know me as dad, okay? That, that name, that part of who I am, they know me. They don't call me John. They don't call me Jay. They call me dad. And they know that part of me and that side of me and raising them up as my sons. There, there's only one right now who knows me as, as her papa. And, and that's my sweet little Livy girl, okay? Now, here's the thing. 
we got, y'all know we got another one on the way, and hopefully many more, okay? But uh, we got another one on the way, little boy, yeah, okay? But the grandkids will know me as Papa. They will know that name, that side of who I am. There's only one person in this room who knows me as, as her honey pie sugar bunch, okay? <laughs> and that's my wife, okay? You see, we, we know people and have different associations based off of names, okay? Nicknames, how we, we, we know that person and relate to them in relationship. And here's what we need to understand whenever it comes to God. The Bible gives us different names for him. Now remember, we're talking about the healing aspect of God. And in Scripture, we see in the original Hebrew that God is known as Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Now you might say, well, what do you mean he's my healer? You mean like heal me physically whenever I get sick? Absolutely, God is a healing God. And a lot of times whenever somebody gets sick, if they don't recover from that, we don't understand that. But the reality is that God is a healing God in all aspects. He wants to heal us physically. He wants to heal us emotionally. He wants to heal us, bring healing to our life mentally, physically, and spiritually. That's the very reason why Jesus went to the cross. So what does the Word of God do? The Word of God, as I take it and put it into my heart and I begin to absorb it, it brings healing to my life. I begin to understand that God is my Jehovah Rapha, my healer in every part of my life. Now, remember Psalms 107, we just looked at it, it said he sent out his word and he healed them. Everybody say healed. That is how we are called to be. He wants to bandage your hurts. He wants to bandage the wounds, the things that the enemy wants to come and bring against you and say, hey, you remember whenever you did this and how you messed up and the things of the past and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the sin and all that. You can say, no, no, that's under the blood of Jesus. He's healed me of that and I am moving forward from that. The rejection, the pain, the hurt, all that stuff, it's under the blood of Jesus and I am moving forward because God is my healer. That is what the word of God does within our life. It brings power to us. It brings healing to us. Oh, I love the next one. It brings direction. Everybody say direction. Now, Proverbs, remember, Proverbs is found in the section of the Bible known as the poetic or the section of wisdom. And Proverbs 16, 9 says this, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, the reason why I like that so much is because how many times have we made plans for our life and we think, this is it? And it doesn't quite work out the way that we think that it, it did. I remember whenever Stacey and I, we had been married for about six months. And I had an opportunity to have a, a, a change within the job that I had. And I had somebody sit down with me and this guy, well, he, he sold me the moon. He's like, you know, this and this, lots of money, oh, it's going to be awesome. And I went home and I told Stacy all that stuff. And I'm like, this is it. And guess what? That wasn't it. And I was unemployed for about six weeks. And let me tell you what, when you, after you get married and you're trying to work a job that's really not working out and, and it's a bad scene, my wife was not happy, okay? So my point in saying that is this. So many times we can come up with these great plans, these great ideas, and if it doesn't fall in line with what God really has for us, then it's not a good thing for our life. It may look good on the surface. It may honestly not be all that bad. But is it the direction that God really has for our life? Do we want okay and mediocre or do we want God's best for our lives? 
And God's word, whenever we take it and we put it in our heart, it begins to bring direction to us. You might say, well, what kind of questions uh, does it answer for our lives? You know, I need direction. I got questions. Well, here's a couple questions that we have as we go through life. What is my purpose? What a lot of people want to know, what is God's purpose? What is his will? What is his plan for my life? Well, that's whenever you begin to understand him as we talked about Jehovah Shalom. That you're going in a direction, you're trying to make decisions for your life, and the word of God, the scripture you've memorized, it begins to come up inside of you and minister to you, but you also have peace within your life as to what decision you should make. A lot of times people ask me, how do you know what decision to make? I am always led by peace within my life. And usually there is scripture to back it up as well. And so God's word will give direction to us. Things like, God, what is my purpose? Here's another one. God, where should I live? Should I buy this house? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Things of that nature that Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, wants to answer within your life. And if you will study the word of God, you will put it within your heart and your life. You will begin to experience in those moments where you need direction, God's word will come up inside of you. You'll be reminded of scripture and it'll help bring direction to your life. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good thing. Now, here's the next one. We talk about power. We talk about direction, healing, all these things. But I love this next one because God's word, it brings freedom to our lives. You might say, well, what exactly, you know, in context of freedom, like it's an American? No, here's what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus said this, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Now, here's the thing. That is an exciting passage of scripture. The reason why it's exciting is because Jesus came to set us free. Everybody say free. free. From sin addictions, worry, fear, anger, all of these things that plague us, things like guilt. Remember what I said a few minutes ago where the enemy wants to come and remind you of the things of your past. And as he comes and reminds you of the things of your past, you need to remember that God's word says that those things are forgiven. Those things are under the blood of Christ and you can move forward because he has brought freedom to your life. Jesus didn't just come to this world to go to the cross to give his life, be resurrected three days later so that we could live a life of oppression. He came so that we could be forgiven, we can step into a relationship with God, but he also came so that we can be free. Everybody say freedom. Freedom is a wonderful thing for our lives. And so we think of freedom and we think about God's word within our lives. So how do I begin to, to get all this in my life? Okay, Pastor Jay, I, I like freedom. I like direction. I like healing. I like power at work within me. So how do I get all that? If you're talking about all these things that the word of God brings into my life, how do I actually get that within my life? Well, two things I want to walk you through. Now we begin to see what God's word actually does in our life. So how do we get to the place where it's actually doing those things in our life? Well, the first thing that you have to do as a Christian, as a believer, as a brother and sister in Christ, you've got to learn to master the text. Now you might say, well, does that mean that, that, that I'm called to like be this, this master? No. You're called to be a student of the word. We had this discussion in our life group this past Wednesday night. Man, we had a great life group this past Wednesday. Yeah, we did, yeah. 
And here's what's cool about that. We were sitting there talking about how long we've been serving the Lord. Some had been serving the Lord for a couple, you know, three, four, five years. And, uh, and I actually, I spoke up, you know, I've been serving the Lord for 29 years. And the, the conversation went in the direction of it doesn't matter how long we have been serving the Lord. We are all students of the word. We are all students to grow in the things of God. And we're moving forward. We're constantly as students in the word. We're learning more of the word so that we can learn to master the text, have greater understanding of what the word of God means for our life. And guess what? The longer you walk with the Lord, the more of God's word that you're going to begin to put in your heart. The more of it you're going to begin to understand. The greater you're, you're going to get into a situation, the longer you've been walking with the Lord. And there's more of it to come up within your life to remind you of in that moment. And so we talk about mastering the text. And think of Proverbs chapter 7. And I want you to think of it in this way. Imagine a dad giving his son some advice. He says this, Proverbs chapter 7. He says, follow my advice, my son, always. Everybody say always. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them onto your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. That's a beautiful passage of scripture. Because he's talking about obedience. He's talking about guarding a precious treasure. And it says that he's talking about this right here. That we as children of God, we take his instructions, we take his commands, we take the things that we, he has for us, we put them in our heart and we guard them. We watch over them within our life. Now, as we're talking about mastering the text, I want you to understand, because remember, the Jewish people, they valued the word of God in such a way that, that it's hard for us to even wrap our mind around this. They would take the word of God, and young Jewish boys, by the age of 10, they had to memorize the, the books of law. And by age 13, they had most, pretty much most of Scripture committed to memory. And the Jewish people, they wanted God's Word in their life continually. Their, word, their, their lives wrapped around it. They would actually, in their homes, they would write the names of God on the walls of their homes. They would write different Scriptures on the walls, uh, on the walls of their homes. They actually would take Scriptures and write them out, and they would tie them to their hands. That's where he's talking about attaching them to, to your fingers. They would actually put them on their hands. They had uh, these little leather boxes called phylacteries that they would take and they would write out scripture and put it in it and they would tie that little leather box to their head. In other words, the, the, the mindset was they always wanted the word of God within their lives and a part of their lives wherever they were. And we learned a lot from that because remember, a lot of times we're investing our lives in things within this world that will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Look at your neighbor and say, that's awesome. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about taking the Word of God and mastering the text. So how practically can we begin to do that within our lives? Well, first of all, you got to make sure you got the right tools. And the reason why I say this is because a couple weeks back, we had a situation. Uh, me and, and Bryce and Tyler and my friend Casey, we were headed back from our camp in Mississippi. And the boys were in front of us. They were in their truck. They had their boat attached to it. They were pulling it behind truck and I had the same thing on my boat behind my truck and we're going through Zachary it was dark I'm trying to get back home because you know we got church the next day and I need to get a little bit of rest we're going through Zachary and Casey says hey I think I just saw some sparks come from from Tyler's trailer I'm like well let's kind of watch it and see we get up here to a light we can see you know what's up 
we get up to the next light, and you can see Tyler's tire on his trailer sticking out like that. And I'm like, oh, man, he, he's blown a hub on his trailer. So we called him, pull over. So we're stuck in the Waffle House parking lot in Zachary. Now, that was the only good part about it, is that Waffle House is amazing, okay? But we're in this parking lot. He's blown this hub. He can't pull his boat trailer anymore. I open the back of my truck to get my tool bag out because I always carry my tool bag with me when we go to camp. And guess what I forgot? My tool bag. So I'm like, man, I, I don't know what we're going to do. We've got to change this hub here on the side of the road. I ran across the street to the O'Reilly. I bought a big old pair of channel locks, and I came back. And we changed out that hub with a pair of channel locks and a tire tool. I mean, literally, we're on the side, we're, we're beating this thing out with a tire tool, and something that should have taken about 15, 20 minutes took us like two, two and a half hours on the side of the road. You think I wasn't miserable? Why did that job become so difficult? Because we didn't have the right what? Right tools. So as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're going to study the Word of God, we are students of the Word, we're going to master the text. This valuable treasure that God has given us, how are we going to master it? We've got to make sure that we have the right tools. Probably the most valuable piece of advice that I could give you as your pastor is make sure that you get a good translation of the Bible that, that applies to your life that you're able to understand. A lot of people for years said, well, the only Bible you can use is the King James Version. If you use any other Bible, you got issues within your life and you're not going to heaven, okay? Maybe not to that extreme, but... The reality is that there's a lot of good translations, and every translation is simply that, a translation off of the original manuscripts. Some of the translations that I prefer, I like the New Living Translation, people call it the NLT. Uh, the, the translation that I actually speak out of pretty much almost every Sunday, this Bible, this is a New International Version, NIV. Uh, I'm actually in the process of transitioning from NIV to NLT because I, I just like it a little bit better, I like the way that it reads. Uh, there's a Bible that I, I do, a translation, I don't recommend it to be a part of your study. You know, if you're going to have a Bible that you specifically use to study out of called the Message Translation, I like that one because it reads like a book, but I don't recommend it as your predominant Bible. I recommend either, like I said, the NLT or the NIV, or if you want a, the King James translation, go to a new King James version. A little bit more updated, a little bit easier to understand. Now, here's the next thing. This Bible simply is known as a text Bible. This actually, if you open it up, it's nothing but scriptures. There's no notes, no nothing in the margin or down at the bottom, anything like that. I highly recommend that you get what is known as a study Bible. This is my study Bible. You can see it's got a lot of things underlined and written. But at the bottom and the margin and all that, it is full of stuff to help you understand. I just read this verse. What does it mean? You can go to the bottom and find the reference for that, and it begins to help you understand it in a better way. Get a good study Bible. It will really help you begin to master the text for your life. Some great tools for you. If you're interested in studying in, in a greater way, I, I highly recommend BibleGateway.com. Great website to really help you begin to understand the Word of God. It has pretty much every translation on it you could ever imagine. Uh, another uh, Website that I use on a regular basis, blueletterbible.com. It'll help you break down the Hebrew, the Greek, if you're interested in getting to that aspect of it. And so just great 
practical things for you to help you have the right tools to master the text of what God's word is for your life. Now, I, I get it. A lot of times we say when we talk about being a student of the word, what does that mean for my life? Well, I love what Psalm says in 42, one of my favorite verses. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go? I'm sorry. When can I go and meet with God? Literally, the psalmist is writing and saying that as believers, our heart should hunger and thirst for more of God. There should be this desire within us like, God, I, I cannot wait to get in your word. I love to listen and to worship and to honor you in, in, in the things that I do. And so that passage of scripture right there is a beautiful reminder that we are students of the word, but also we're called to master the text. Now, here's the next thing. I told you I'll give you two things. First of all, master the text. The next thing is this, that as believers, if we want to master the text, the next step for us is we have to be mastered by the text, okay? What does that mean? That means that we're to be changed by the word of God. We're to allow it to affect our lives and to master us. Jesus said something one day when he was teaching. It's kind of a wake-up call for all of us. He said in Matthew chapter 23, he, was, he encountered the uh, different uh, spiritual leaders of the land. And he said this to him. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Look at the next two words. You what? That's pretty harsh. I mean, basically, that's like, that's like a slap in the face right there. You, you guys in these flowing robes and experts of the law, you're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Look what he goes on. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Now, what's he saying? He's telling the literal spiritual leaders, the religious people of the day. He's saying, you look great on the outside. You, you know the word of God. You got to memorize, you got to commit it to memory. And on the outside, you look amazing, but on the inside, you're dead. You haven't really let the Word of God change you and shape you. You haven't been mastered by the text. You might master the text, but you certainly haven't been mastered by the text. And so, for all of us as believers, how are we doing in that area? Are we allowing the Word of God to change us, or do we just have the appearance and the look of Christianity? I know whenever Tyler and Brittany got married, we went to their, their, their we did the rehearsal dinner the night before, and we're kind of tired. We got up the next morning, and woohoo, it's wedding day. And Stacy and I, we're, we're getting ready for that wedding, and I was downstairs in the lobby of the hotel, and somebody, you know, uh, comes up to me and kind of asks me, hey, you heard what's going on? And I'm like, what? And about that time, my phone rings, and it's somebody calling me to tell me that my house is about to flood. Yeah, Tyler and Brittany got married the great flood of 2016. Okay. We'll never forget their anniversary. And in that moment, I'm like, what? Great celebration. All of a sudden, got turned upside down. Ran upstairs, told Stacy, and she immediately was, you know, distraught, as all of us were. And this is what we said. We can't let the kids know. It's a day of celebration. We cannot let it get disrupted by what's going on back home. Let's just put on our happy face. We'll get through this day. We'll, we'll deal with it, you know, as we get past this day. And so I put on my suit, put on my tie, 
Stacy put on her dress and we went to the wedding and we looked, hey, we looked great on the outside. Yeah, my wife looked really great. But on the inside, you can only imagine what was going on on the inside. And the same thing translates into our walk with the Lord. It is possible for us to put on our happy face and look great on the outside and have the appearance of Christianity and on the inside, just like Jesus said, we're dead. On the inside, we haven't come alive in Christ. On the inside, we haven't let the Word of God change us and shape us and form us. Here's what's so important for us as the body of Christ to understand. We're talking about mastering the text. We've got to be mastered by the text. Jesus wants to change us day in and day out. It's called being born again because when you surrender your life to Jesus, it's like your life starts from that point forward and you become a new person in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you got everything figured out. It means from that point forward as you're moving through life, you are now the power of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit can be very real and at work within you, changing you every single day. And that's why it's important for us as the body of Christ to master the text. But we must be mastered by the text. So I'm going to ask you to do this, if you would, for a moment. Close your eyes. And think of the things that need to change within your life. You know what I'm talking about. The things that, that God puts his finger on from time to time. The things that you get convicted about from time to time. And you can do one of two things in those moments when the Holy Spirit brings conviction to you. You can either take it to heart, ask God to change you, repent and move forward. Or you can brush it off. How are we letting God change us? Is the Holy Spirit changing the areas of our life that he needs to work on? Are we a willing participant or are we kicking and screaming? And so today, that would be my challenge to you as I talk to you about letting God's Word become a part of your life, growing in it, being a student of the Word. What needs to change within your life? For some of you in this room, the very first change that needs to take place is that you need to surrender your life to Christ Jesus. Maybe you're like what I just talked about a few moments ago. You've got the look, but on the inside, nothing. And today as you sit here, the Holy Spirit, he's stirring your heart saying, I want relationship with you. God wants to change you. God wants to forgive you. Jesus went to the cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you can have that genuine and real relationship with God, the creator of everything. Today will you surrender to him. And if that's you, I want to I pray with you. I would love to help you take those steps. There might be others of you here who would say, well, Pastor the change that needs to take place inside of me is I need to reconnect with God. I had that relationship. I walked with God. I knew him. But over time, my heart's gotten kind of distant from God. And today I know that I need to reconnect with God. I need to get my heart right with him all over again. I'd love to help you take those steps as well. So real quick, every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody looking around. If you would say, Pastor Jay, that's me. 
And today, I want to be a part of that prayer that you're fixing to pray. I need to surrender my life to Christ for the first time. Or I need to reconnect with God and get my heart right all over again. Wherever you are in this room, if that's you, and your heart is, Pastor Jay, I want to be a part of that prayer today. I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, let me see your hand. Raise your hand in the air. Is there anybody here today? I see you back here, 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 right here. I see you right here. And God's good. Now here's what I want to do. I'm going to lead you in this, in this prayer. But everybody in this room is going to pray with you because they love you. They care about you. And today, this prayer that we're going to pray, this is your prayer. I'm going to give you the words, but right where you are, you just talk to the Lord. And say this to him. Everybody in this room, let's pray this together. Pray this loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. I want you to say, Jesus, you're amazing. You went to the cross for me because you love me so much. Today, by faith, I receive what you did. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And today, I ask for your forgiveness. Through your precious blood, make me brand new. I surrender to you. Jesus, come live in my heart. Today, be my Savior. I embrace you as my Lord and Master. And I thank you for your forgiveness, for your love. Jesus, thank you for letting me step into your family.